Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tithicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Uh, well, today is September the 11th, uh, which uh, forever will be associated with a particular terrorist event from this day on anyway. Um, back in uh, 2001, of course, we'll all remember the terrible events of that day. Uh, and off the back of uh, that event, um, there was a, a growing fear about uh, potential terrorist attacks uh, in other parts of the world, including here in Australia. Uh, that may have waned in our minds uh, more recently, but I remember for a very long time it was a very active and real fear, and, and rightly so. Um, and off the back of that, the Australian government rolled out an advertising campaign. They set up a national security hotline, uh, and the tagline that went along with this was, be alert, but not alarmed. Um, you might even remember they rolled out the old Today Show host, Steve Liebman, those TV ads that they were running back in the day. Uh, but the idea was trying to strike the right balance so that we weren't naive about the possibility of a terrorist attack, uh, but also so that, as a 
society, as a culture, we weren't crippled by an unreasonable fear of what might happen, uh, and perhaps even to view everyone with suspicion. And so we were urged repeatedly to be alert, but not alarmed. Uh, I heard that same expression being used by a few people uh, as the coronavirus outbreak uh, unfolded, um, back when you were quite unlikely to contract it in Australia, if you can remember that time. Um, at the time, I wondered whether it might be good to have a bit more alarm, uh, but we can debate that later. I think Paul wants the Christian people that he's writing to to adopt a similar attitude, a similar approach, when they think about the spiritual battle that they're engaged in as followers of Jesus. He wants them to be alert, but not alarmed. He wants us to be aware that we're engaged in a battle, that there is a, a real struggle. He doesn't want us to be naive or ignorant about that. Uh, but he also doesn't want us to hit the panic button either. And so what he does in these verses is show us how we can stand. He shows us how to be confident in knowing that God has given us everything that we need to live the Christian life and to stick it out. So what we have here is a, a kind of call to arms, a rallying cry. Uh, it's an appeal to Christians to stand firm. That's the theme that we see coming across uh, again and again in these verses. A plea for us to take hold of the blessings of God, to live out who we now are in Christ, and to resist those forces that are at work to undo us, to bring us down, so that when everything is said and done, we'll be left standing firm as followers of the Lord Jesus. Now, if this is a call to arms, there has to be a battle to fight, and indeed there is, but it's an unusual battle. Uh, it's a battle which takes place in the spiritual world, a battle for our hearts and our souls. And in order to be able to hold our ground in this struggle, it's important to realise that we're in a fight to begin with. No enemy is easier to defeat than the one that isn't prepared for the fight. Forewarned is forearmed, as they say. And that's what Paul wants to do for us here. So because God wants us to be alert, to be ready, he talks to us about the spiritual battle we're engaged in. So pick it up there in chapter 6, verse 10. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says, Finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Now, if someone you didn't know so well came up to you and started talking to you about the struggle that they're having against the dark spiritual forces in this world, like me, you'd probably be working up your best excuse about why you need to be somewhere else at that moment. Um, and if you're anything like me, I'm sure you're a bit reluctant to use this sort of overt spiritual language in everyday conversation. And it really does feel out of place in a modern secular world, doesn't it, to talk about such things, to talk about 
powers of the dark world and spiritual forces of evil and the devil himself. It all sounds a little bit odd. Personally, I'm a lot more comfortable talking about the Christian experience in more concrete terms, more human terms. But it's important that we understand that this struggle is real, that this is a reality too, that these spiritual forces he's talking about, they're not a metaphor, they are real and powerful and opposed to us, opposed to God's people. We have an enemy and he has a name. He is the devil. He's not a fairy tale creature made up to spook children. He is opposed to God and his purposes and he's not alone. There are numerous dark forces at work in this world. Now, I'm not going to pretend to completely understand who or what all of them are and how they all operate. And if someone wants to tell you at that level of detail, please be warned. We're not given a whole lot of detail about these forces in God's word. But we can know for certain that Satan and his allies are at work. At work against God and at work against his people. But for us, this is more than a struggle out there. This becomes a struggle at a very personal level for each one of us. That you are in a struggle and God is calling upon you to stand firm. See, this isn't something happening out there somewhere. It's a lot more personal than that. It's a battle, we're told here, that takes place in the heavenly realms, but it's fought out for each one of us in the things of the everyday, the seemingly mundane things of life. They're the kinds of things that we've been looking at as we've gone through the letter to the Ephesians. That struggle to be honest, to to act with integrity in your dealings with others. The struggle that we have with greed and with materialism. Struggle that we have in not allowing our desire for comfort and pleasure to dampen our zeal for God. That struggle to love your wife selflessly. That's a spiritual battle. Satan will do all he can to bring disunity and trouble to a marriage. The struggle that you might have with pride to be someone who's humble, someone who is gentle with others, someone who's willing to forgive those you can't see eye to eye with. This is our battlefield. Satan loves to have hypocrites in the church, people who are compromised, people who are half-hearted, plagued by sins that rule their lives. But we also have to be careful when we talk about things like this, not to become paranoid either. Um, I think some people get a little too worked up about this sort of language, start to view everything that's going on in their life as some sort of attack from Satan. Um, I used to work with a guy who used to say things like, my car ran out of petrol on the way to work this morning. Satan's really trying to bring me down at the moment. Maybe. Or maybe you should just put petrol in your car when the tank gets low. I've heard lots of Christians talk like this. Everything becomes spiritualized. And it strikes me in the end as a little bit, almost superstitious and a little bit paranoid. I'm sure God doesn't want us jumping at shadows living in a state of constant anxiety, wondering where the next attack is going to be coming from. 
and seeing Satan's hand in everything from, I don't know, the milk going off to missing your train. I'm not sure that we're supposed to take these verses and extrapolate that into some sort of spiritualization of every activity of life, to label every issue or every problem as coming from having its origin in some sort of evil spiritual force. Now, it can be that too. Let me just caution you to be careful with that sort of stuff. See, I think in saying that, my tendency, and perhaps yours as well, is to go too far the other way, which is to downplay the spiritual dimension of our daily struggles, simply to never recognise that we're in this spiritual battle at all. If we see everything in purely human terms, we'll only ever look to our own strength and our own resources, our own strategies to live this life. And that's exactly what Paul tells us not to do here. See, instead, Paul tells us that we're to put on this armour that God has given us. Uh, See verse 13 again, he says, put on the armour of God, the full armour of God, so that when that day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. God wants us to use the resources that he's put at our disposal. That's how we win this struggle. That's how we make sure that, like it says there in verse 13, after everything is said and done, we're still standing as followers of Jesus. Twice he tells us here to put on the full armour of God. We're meant to get that. Um, And so what does he actually tell us to do? What is this armour? Well, he he uses the image, the analogy of a soldier equipped for battle. Um, It's not the equipment of a modern soldier, but a Roman soldier. Uh, And thanks to films like Lord of the Rings, um, we're probably all still pretty familiar with this imagery, aren't we? Uh, but pick it up there from verse 14. This is the, uh, the description of the armour of God that God has given to us. He says, Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. All of the things that are mentioned here, all of this um, armour, here's a little picture for you if you're a visual person, Uh, all the things that are mentioned here are things which Paul has already talked about in this letter to the Ephesians, things which he says are already ours through Jesus. Righteousness, truth, the gospel of peace, faith, the word of God, salvation. These are all things that have been spoken about in this letter. This gospel of peace has been a key theme throughout Ephesians. Paul's wanted us to appreciate the reconciliation that we now share with God through Christ, the peace that we have with him, a peace which not only reconciles us to God but to one another as well, the peace that we ought to enjoy as a part of God's family. And Paul says our feet are to be fitted with this gospel. It's as though we're to strap that message, that good news to our feet and take it with us wherever we go. He talks about the shield of faith. Uh, You might remember a few weeks ago we looked at Ephesians chapter 2. This is what he said about faith there. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. With that faith, 
our trust in God's salvation, we can extinguish the flaming arrows of Satan's accusations. They cannot harm those who know where they stand with God, those who know that they're saved by the grace of God through Christ. See, all throughout this letter, Paul's been wanting the Ephesian Christians and us too to appreciate, to realise just all that we have in Jesus. And now he tells them to take hold of those truths, those realities, to use them as armour, to use them even as weapons in their struggle to stand firm as followers of Jesus. Now, a lot has been made of the particular types of armour that, um, I'll show you that picture again, uh, that are used to tribute to each of these different concepts. So, for example, you read some commentaries and they'll go into a huge amount of detail about what an ancient Roman helmet was like and why the helmet in particular is used as the image of salvation because it protects the most vital organ, the brain. But I've got to say, I think all of those constructions fall down somewhere and pretty rapidly. Uh, for example, why is truth a belt and not a shield. Truth could be a shield. Or why is faith a breastplate and not a belt? Uh, if I think you try and make too much of the particular image, you just end up in a bit of a tangle. Uh, Paul is giving us a picture of the soldier of his day, and he's saying God has equipped us with all that we need for this battle. God hasn't left us defenceless. There's a full kit of armour at our disposal. And the purpose is to enable us to stand, that we would go the distance as followers of Jesus. So again, verse 13, we were told, put on this armour so that when the day of evil comes, you will stand your ground. Now, I don't think this day of evil is, is sort of a kind of a one-off event in your life. I think it's any and every occasion when your trust in God gets put under the blowtorch. It may be when illness strikes you down. It may be when grief threatens to overwhelm you. When you feel tempted to go your own way, to indulge some sinful desire, to ignore God or perhaps even to walk away from him altogether. Paul says when those times come, you need to be ready. Have your armour on. Be confident in the salvation you have in Jesus armed, secure in the truth, living with a deep trust in your Lord and Saviour. But this isn't a battle for us to fight on our own. Um, ultimately, Paul encourages us to find our strength in God himself. That's where he begins. If you remember what he says in verse 10 of chapter 6, he said and began all this by saying, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And again, the power of God is something he's talked about earlier in the book. He talks about, from Ephesians 1, God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. We are in a battle, but we should also remember that the war is already won. And if we're with Christ... We're on that side. We are saved, we are forgiven. And the mighty power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is at work in our lives as well. Not only giving us new life, 
but enabling us to live faithfully as his children. These verses tell us anything. They remind us that if we're going to stand firm, we do so through trusting in Jesus, through being united to him. Which I think is why Paul's final encouragement in these verses to us is to pray. Pick it up there in verse 18 of chapter 6. He says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Be people who pray, says Paul. Be people who readily turn to God. Express your dependence on him. If we're going to be strong in the Lord and in his power, we'll be people of prayer. Not that we just pray for ourselves, although we need to do that. Paul says here, there's that word, that expression. He says, be alert. Not alarmed, be alert. Keep on praying for all the saints. I think prayer is a pretty good indication of how alert you're going to be about this spiritual battle that you're engaged in as a Christian. If you don't see yourself as being involved in a spiritual struggle, you probably won't bother too much with praying to God, except perhaps to ask him for some stuff that you want. But if you're someone who knows you're in a serious struggle, a wrestle, to stand firm in Christ, you'll be a person who prays. You'll know you need God's help in the face of opposition. You'll know you'll need his help to obey him for that desire to serve others, for the capacity to love as he calls us to, for the strength to say no when you're tempted to sin. And so you'll pray that for yourself, but not just for yourself, you'll pray that for others as well. Something that, in fact, we've been repeatedly encouraged to do throughout this letter. Paul's told us repeatedly to, to pray for one another. Keep praying for all the saints. And that includes the leaders in the church. As Paul encourages people to pray for him here, can I ask you to pray for me? Paul wasn't afraid to ask, so I think that's okay. And Paul specifically asked the Ephesians to pray for him that, that he'd have the words, that he'd have the courage to keep proclaiming the gospel. This from the great apostle Paul, the one called to his ministry on that Damascus road, that this personal intervention from Jesus himself with a track record, an unprecedented track record of church planting and evangelism. And yet Paul knows that he'll accomplish nothing of substance without God's help. And so he asks people to pray for him and that he'll be able to, to continue to share the good news of the gospel fearlessly as he knows he should. So remember who you are in Christ. Remember that you've been united to God's Son. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in him. You've been called to live as one of his chosen people. And you share in the victory that Jesus has won for you. And yet there is still a struggle, isn't there? A struggle against even the evil forces that, are, that exist in this world. But don't despair. 
Be alert but not alarmed. God has given you everything you need to stand firm in Jesus. So let me encourage you to do it. To put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may, may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand.